Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. All of God's children said, Amen. So here we are, we've arrived. Christmas Eve. It's taken a bit to get here, but we're here. After four weeks of Advent in preparation, waiting, waiting. Kristen Chokokan writes in Christianity Today magazine that the preparations for Christmas can move from being a delight and being a chore. Since the pandemic traditions may feel more precious, but they also seem pointless sometimes. She writes, what difference does it make to decorate the tree, put up lights, wrap presents, send cards, host parties, and travel for family when the world is weary and heavy laden? She continues by asking, will any of it stop a military power from obliterating a nation, keep another mass shooting from wreaking havoc on a community? Slow down climate change from destroying the planet's most vulnerable. Prevent despots or mere bureaucracies from exerting damaging control. Throughout the article, she references Simon and Garfunkel's song in which they sing Silent Night, all the while a newscaster is reading headlines of the day. As they continue to sing Silent Night, the newscaster's voice becomes louder and soon is louder than their singing. Against the backdrop of the Christmas carol, Silent Night, the news drones on. Does that sound familiar? We want to sing Silent Night, but the news continues to get louder and louder and louder. Maybe it's always been this way. Amidst the drone of daily news, we try singing songs of joy and hope, hope, oh come all ye faithful. Oftentimes our song is drowned out by the news of the day. Through the course of the past four weeks, I've been continuing to ask the question, how does a weary world rejoice? We've come together each week to learn how to do that, or at least begin doing that. We started by acknowledging our own weariness entering the season. We looked to find joy in connecting with one another. We were called to allow ourselves to be amazed by the work of God all around us. And then we were called to sing stories, sing our stories of hope. And tonight it all comes together as we are reminded to make room It's interesting that the story of Jesus' birth comes not with the glory of God shining everywhere, but the ugly reality of the world around him. The emperor is wielding his dictator-like power to issue an order for a census, not only to know human numbers, but to tax at the highest level. Every single person, even the poorest of the poor, must travel back to their town of origin to complete the census. So Mary and Joseph travel 90 miles. And of course, she's pregnant all the while. 
They traveled back to Joseph's hometown where there was no rooms at the inn. Luke's gospel tells us that when Mary gives birth to Jesus, she lays him in a manger, for there was no place for them in the inn. In actuality, the word translated for inn, cataluma, is not inn, but the word is defined as guest room. So the question is, what about the manger then? At that time, such buildings were like split-level homes. There was a small lower level for animals at one end, and about 80% of one room is a raised terrace-like area where the family cooks and eats and lives and sleeps. The two levels are connected by a short set of stairs. Into the lower level, the family cow, donkey, and a few sheep are brought each night. And in the morning, these animals are taken out into a courtyard. The area is cleaned and the house is ready then for the day. So there was no room in the guest room. According to hospitality of the day, the family welcomed them in. The family made room for the expectant couple, for them to be in the main living space of a peasant home. They made room for them there. The contrast between the power of the emperor and the powerlessness of this peasant couple could not be more stark. As if that were not a dark scene for the couple, it gets even darker. As we hear of the shepherds, it's at that moment that God makes room. A bunch of powerless shepherds, low on the social scale, hear an angel say, Do not be afraid, for I bring good news of great joy. Now those are words that are not typically heard over the, the sound of the emperor's next order or his army's next move. Shocked by the message makes the room even bigger by bringing the heavenly host of angels. Christine Chokokan writes about this particular moment in the scripture in the article. She says, and if the point were not clear enough, God brings it home when a host, an army of angels swarm into the sky. You think you're alone in this God's laughs? Just try me. No earthly power dares to compete with God's glory, she says. Regardless of where the birth occurs, we know that Christ is born in a crowded and unlikely place. Regardless of the earthly power being utilized by the emperor, God makes a place there anyway. God makes room. God draws the circle wider as shepherds and unexpected guests arrive. God is telling his children through the birth of his son, we are better together. The angels tell the shepherds, and they make room. There is always room. There is always more space. There's always plenty of good room. Just choose your seat and sit down. Where we find the lack of hospitality is where we find the lack of joy. Joseph and Mary were given the opportunity to be together, even in a space that declared no room in the guest room. Shepherds went to Bethlehem to see this thing that had taken place, causing them to be together with the Holy Family. Not only did the shepherds come and witness this thing, but they also left telling everyone by glorifying and praising God. 
giving society a chance to be together. There's a famously told Christmas story about a little boy, and there are variations to this story, but the one I saw recently was that this little boy wanted to be Joseph in the nativity play. He did not get the part of Joseph, but did land the part of the innkeeper, and he was very disappointed. The night of the performance, he decided to change the story. The story is told caused Joseph to inquire about a place for him and Mary to stay. The crowd anticipated that the innkeeper would say, there's no room in the inn. However, the little boy changed the story that night. He said, sure, I've got the best room in the inn. You can have mine. It changed the whole story and caused everyone watching it to laugh. And when his parents got him home that night, they asked him, why in the world did you change the story? Why did you change your line? He told them what he'd learned in Sunday school. From the scripture that says, since no one knows the day nor the hour that the Son of God will return, then we ought to be ready to give God our best. Lean not on our own understanding and in all ways trust God to direct our paths. Our task during this Christmas season is to make room in the same fashion. We should acknowledge that the world is weary from grief, from war, a pandemic, political strife, personal and corporate failings, and the list goes on and on. Although these weary acts take place, our rejoicing happens when we encounter life together, when we change the story as it might seem to be, and make room for collective moments to rejoice, to point to the goodness and kindness being acted out each and every day, to sing our stories of hope and share the joy of these moments. For no one knows the day nor the hour of the second advent. So let's not lean on our own understanding, but in always trust God to direct our paths, offering God our best by making room for others. The room we make will allow a weary world to rejoice. In the Advent devotional that I've been using from Center for Christianity, I read these words. In Advent, we take four weeks to remember how we, like Mary, live in a world that is ill. It's broken down. It's violent. It's a place where people are isolated from each other and from God. It's a world where we seem to always choose the wrong. It's a world that is dying, and we are, like it or not, participants in its death. And as we do so, we find, like Mary, that God visits us and asks us, Will you let me dwell in you and remake you? Will you let me burn up the chaff within you and restore the wheat? Will you become the place where I reside because, and become yourself my throne and temple? Jesus' birth is a story about God making room for great joy to break beyond the boundaries, for awe to push past the limits of our imaginations, for welcome to be extended to shepherds and strangers. This is a story about how God 
makes room? In what ways can you make room for others next year? How can you extend welcome? How can you make room for joy? How can you make room for God through Christ to accompany you through whatever, whatever this season and the days ahead bring? Amen.